I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. I am honored today to be joined by Glenda Fleming Willis, an incredibly accomplished woman. Glenda is the Senior Vice President of Operations at Walmart. She's responsible for the Southeast Division, where she oversees 1,000 Walmart stores and a mind-blowing 350,000 associates. Glenda, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you for being here. We're recording this in mid-May of 2020, so I know it's been an extremely busy time for you and for your company. You've really been a, a true leader in this country and in this, in this strange world in terms of the COVID response. So thank you. I know you've been working overtime. Yes, yes. It is definitely unprecedented times for, for all of us. It has been somewhat of a challenge as well. So I definitely want to hear about that. But before we get into it, please tell our audience about you. Tell us about your background and how you ended up in this role at Walmart. Sure. I am actually, by trade, I am um, an engineer. Uh, I have a degree in electrical engineering technology. And uh, as soon as I graduated from college, I decided that I wanted to be an engineer. And I did that for a couple of years and decided that probably wasn't what I wanted to do for my entire life. Um, I spent most of my time behind a computer. And I really wanted to be able to have an opportunity to be able to spend more time with people. And so I spread my wings and decided to step out and take a risk and step out of the position and uh, go back to school and did something completely different and decided to go work for the airlines, uh, which made uh, my parents have a coronary uh, because <laughs> I'd gone to school to be an engineer and I was working for um, airlines. So uh, which was a great experience, um, and I'm so glad that I did do that. Had an opportunity to kind of decompress and have the opportunity to spend time with people and decide for sure what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And uh, in the midst of that, my sister was working for Walmart, and she convinced me to come work for Walmart. Uh, quite frankly, it's a part-time position because I said I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go work at Walmart for the rest of my life. Um, I thought that I wanted to do something um, with the government at that time. And, and so I did that just as a part-time, just to kind of hold me over until, until I decided for sure where I was going to land. And I have to tell you, I was with Walmart for probably not even a month when I decided this was absolutely the company that I wanted to be with. Uh, it not only allowed me to still be able to use what I had learned as an engineer um, in all of my decision-making processes, but it also afforded me the opportunity to be able to be with people and spend time with people every single day. And, um, it, and it really fulfilled everything I was looking for. And that was 25 years ago. I've been with Walmart 25 years now. Wow. Well, that says a lot. And I think I can imagine that the complexity and scale that you're dealing with every day must require your engineering skills and your people skills. It does. Absolutely. You know, whether in, in, in the scope of the position that I have, I do have to make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis uh, that touch uh, not only, you know, thousands of associates, but thousands and thousands of customers as well. So having the discipline of being methodical and thinking through um, you know, sequentially a thought process in reference to how you need to make decisions, it is a, a skill set that becomes quite handy on a day-to-day -day basis especially in very quickly changing landscape like we're in right now. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about 
what it's like throughout your career in these different chapters to be a woman. And you started out as an engineer. We know typically that's a male-dominated world. How has gender played a role? Yeah, um, as, as you know, it's a great question. I have always, for the most part, been in positions that have been um, dominated by male leadership. As an engineer, I was one of the few females that worked on, um, on my team at that time. Not quite as much um, in the airlines because majority of people who worked around me were females. And even when I came to Walmart as well, the positions that I typically held were, I had, the majority of the people who were working around me were men. And it never really dawned on me at that time about, it, I never thought through the gender piece, if you will. It was just kind of natural for me because I had almost kind of grown up in that type of world, if you will. But I will tell you that it hit me on a particular moment in time that I will always remember. And then that's when I knew that my gender truly played a role in the positions that I was in or the positions that I pursued. If I may, I'd share a story. Um, I was actually pursuing a position and it was actually um, in a higher level position uh, with an organization that was, it was dominated by a male population. And again, didn't think anything about it because I'd always worked around a large number of males. And when I went over to interview, and of course, every person I interviewed with was a male. And um, I, you know, went over there, did the interview, thought I did great, quite frankly. I thought, you know, I think I might have knocked this thing out of the park. And time goes by, I finally get feedback that I didn't get the position. And I, I didn't quite understand because I had... I had an engineering background. This organization that I was interviewing for was, was quite frankly dominated by engineers. And I thought this, you know, I, I don't quite understand why I didn't get it. And the feedback that I received, and believe it or not, this is true, a true story, that the feedback that I received was, well, you didn't get the job because they thought you were too flashy. Oh my God. Yeah. I thought <laughs> I was too flashy. And it stunned me at the moment. What a thought, loaded word. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, what it flashy, like flashy in my thought process. You know, I'm thinking mentally, like what, like, what did I like throw out there that really caused them to think, you know, she's not going to be right for us. Or was it the way that I looked and being a female, that was where my mind ended up going was it's because of the way I look and that I am different than this male dominated organization. And so for me, what that did though, for me, it, I was quite stunned about it. But at the same time, when I, when I really had time to sit back and think about, first of all, I was so glad that I did not get the position after the fact, because I thought there is no way I would ever want to work, quite frankly, for someone who was that shallow to think that, you know, someone who is too flashy wasn't going to be able to, to lend to an organization. But I will tell you, Romy, the thing that I learned from that was, for me, it built up kind of this confidence level and this internal piece that said, you know what, I don't want to work for someone who thinks like that. But what it did do was build up this confidence inside of myself that said, you know, like, I will absolutely be the best, do the best. I am going to make sure that in the long run, when this person looks back, and sees wherever I'm at going forward in the future, which by the way, this was about probably 15 years ago. But I, that was like my momentum of going, you know what, I'm going to do this because I'm going to show that person that they absolutely made the biggest mistake 
of not taking me on in the organization. And, you know, you just, you think through those things and you're, you're like being a little kind of uh, snarky about it. But at the same time, that was something that helped me and being able to drive myself to go, okay, that's fine. Let's bring it. And you're going to, you're going to regret one day that you didn't, didn't take me on to the organization. I love that story because it lit a fire under you. It did. And I recently heard a quote, a Michelle Obama quote, that the real trick, the real talent is to take the things that discourage you and then turn them into something that inspire you. That's exactly that. Right. And that's exactly what it did for me. It lit a fire in me that, that I had not had before. And it was, I was on a mission at that point. I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm glad that you exist. And I'm, I'm actually glad that this happened to me. Because now I have this mission that I am going to be able to show you that I am so much better than what you think. And, and, and it was like, you know, a kind of step on your throat kind of moment. <laughs> I love it. What a story. Thank you for sharing that with us. So you oversee managers and managers of managers and managers of managers and, and store managers. What are the things you look at when you're choosing who can be managers on your team? What do you think make great managers? Yeah, so in an organization as large as we have at Walmart, and we have about 4,500 stores, so we have 4,500 store managers, and each one of those stores may have eight to 10 assistant man salaried managers. And so it's really important that we make sure that we pick the right leadership inside of each facility, including all of the senior leaders as well um, that, that oversee those stores. Um, because you've got to have the right individuals that are level-headed, can make good decisions, that are servant leaders, which is so key. Um, it, they have to be individuals that are there to be able to help support others around them. And I, I will tell you that whenever, and I actually participate in selection of our store managers. I want to be a part of that. And and not necessarily that I'm the one doing the interviewing, but, but I do sign off on every store manager because I want to get to know them. I want to know who they are because they have such an impact on so many people. And the one, one thing that we always have dialogue and conversation about are their people skills and how they work with people. And it isn't necessarily about being a manager. It's about being a leader. And those are two different things. Managers or, you know, quite frankly, a manager is much easier to be and to be a leader. And so, you know, there are those qualities around a leader that we have dialogue and conversation about. One of those being, my opinion, is that person has got to be an active listener. And it's so important to actually be able to listen to individuals more so than it is to be the one talking and giving direction. Because, the fact is, is that individuals are usually the ones that our associates are the ones that have the great ideas, the great suggestions. They typically have the answers. It's just about taking the time to listen and being able to incorporate what they're doing and what they're asking for into the total business so that everybody comes out on top and is, and, you know, is being able to provide a great environment, a great customer service and a great experience for our customers. Um, so I would say the qualities, again, would be servant leadership being number one, being an active listener, and then and the third piece um, that also is so very important, not only in our business, but I think it's, it's important in any business that you're in, especially if you are a, a leader of individuals, is being transparent. 
I think it's a lost art, Romy. I think, I think in some instances that is a lost art um, around transparency because transparency can be easy, but it isn't quite frankly necessary, necessarily meant to be easy. It's about being able to be constructive, being able to be able to point out to individuals how they can be better. And I don't know if we're always transparent with individuals to help them in succeeding. And that's so important as a leader um, to be able to do that because people want to know what their value is and they want to know where they stand. And if they know that and they know what their value is and how they're contributing, they'll run through brick walls and do whatever it is that needs to be accomplished as long as they just know where they stand. And I think that's so very important. It is. It takes courage. It takes a lot of courage to really be clear and transparent. It's easier to kind of just be polite, but it doesn't have the same impact. And sometimes too, when you're just polite, doesn't necessarily mean that you are giving the direct feedback that needs to be given. But there is a way of giving direct feedback so that people feel like when they walk away, they understand. Again, they still feel like they're a contributor. They still feel like that they're valued. And and that's just, that's so important to any human. It's human nature to want to be, to feel like you're being valued. Absolutely. So to that end, we talked about leadership and how to be a real leader. How does that change or what did, what have you learned about leading through crisis? You and your leaders have really been essential workers on the front lines of this crisis. And we're so deeply grateful because without everything you've done, we wouldn't have groceries, we wouldn't have medicine, and you and your associates have been so courageous. But what are what have you learned as a leader during this whole process? Yeah, so um, I, I have to say, as a leader, and I've always been in a position where um, I've traveled, and in my position, I will travel every single week. I stay in hotels two or three nights a week. And if I'm not in a hotel, then I'm you know actually working out of an office. And I will tell you, uh, I know you and I spoke briefly a, a day or so ago, and I said, you know what, I have such a newfound respect for individuals that work remote, uh, because we are all working remote now. It's harder than it seemed. Yes, it is. It is. I will tell you, I I wouldn't give this time back though, because I have learned so much from, it it actually has, it's allowed me to be able to create a skill set and develop a skill set that I've never had to massage before because being able to balance so many different things, whether that be, um, you know, work, children, family, I'm in the process of moving um, from one home to another. Oh, so no. a lot going on uh, in the Willis household right now. But I have such respect for individuals who do this every day and be able to balance those, those pieces. And I had to say that because I, I, I do so thank everyone that can work from home and be able to balance all those because it is hard. That's, that's a difficult thing that I've, I've definitely uh, had to, to cultivate over the last several days. But I, I will tell you, Walmart took a stance right at the beginning of this back in March. We took the stance of number one, we had to make sure their associates were safe and their safety was a priority because we also knew that we needed to be there for our communities to be able to provide food, supplies, medicine, because we kept our doors open, but we knew that we couldn't keep them open in the same way that we always have. And, um, and so we were probably one of the first throughout the country to meter people into the buildings, you know, ask our associates to wear masks, 
to do health screening on our associates. Um, and we, we decided that that was important for our associates um, to keep them safe. But at the same time, our associates stepped up and said, we want to be there for our communities. It was almost like they had this sense of a higher purpose, which we always see our associates rise to the occasion whenever there is a crisis. Um, you know, whether it been Hurricane Katrina or the, you know, the storms and the hurricanes that we had down south in, in Florida. I mean, it's amazing what our associates can, will do for the communities when these situations arise. And for us as leaders, it's about staying a step ahead all of the time and thinking about what potentially could come, knowing what the trends are, and trying to be able to make those right decisions well in advance with always in mind to make sure that we're taking care of our associates first and our customers. And that requires a lot of collaboration, which was something also too that while we, we do that as a company, um, and I'm sure all companies do do that, but when you are working in a remote situation and you're not seeing each other eye to eye and face to face, being able to go shadow doors and have conversation to say, hey, let's talk about how we're gonna approach this, Again, that is another skill set and, and another way of collaboration that we all, again, had to cultivate and, and quickly figure out how to be able to, to lead through, you know, this crisis that we're in. And it didn't take long to be able to do it, but I feel really, really good and proud about what we have done for the communities. And hopefully the communities are just as proud of us as well. I think they are. And I think uh, everyone feels deeply grateful for the work you and your teams have been doing. And I also that loyalty and dedication to the company and the dedication that employees have shown you in their communities comes from the inspiration they must see from the top of the company. Uh, so that's really incredible. Yeah. And that is one thing that we as leaders in any business that you're in, I think this is really important. Um, and I mentioned servant leadership earlier, and this is kind of the same, the same thought process is you have to set those examples. You have to be willing, if you're going to ask someone to do something, you have to be willing to do those same things. Because again, that's how you will create that ownership and that loyalty amongst the people who you work with. And for us, it was a situation where this isn't about making a decision from an office or even, you know, from a remote location and then sending the direction. This is also about you know, getting out there and working along beside other individuals so that they understand and know that, you know, we're all in this together. And we've done that. And I think that's important. I think that's important in any business that you're in is you have got to be also the one that's willing to set the example for others to know that number one, it's okay to do. Uh, and number two is, is that people have to know that you know, you remember where you come from. So to follow on, would you be willing to share a mistake you've made? And what did you learn from it? Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> I feel that way too. I know there's so many to pick from. Um, I'll, I'll share with you. It isn't like one mistake, if you will, but it is a thought process. And it was, it was something that I went through when I was much younger. And hopefully um, those who are listening um, that are earlier in their career may relate to this. And I hear this quite frequently when I'm speaking with young ladies whom I'm interviewing for positions or that want to do more with the company. And um, oftentimes we hear young ladies say, I don't know if I'm ready for the position. And oftentimes females, typically, you have to nudge them. You got to nudge them a little bit harder than you do the male counterparts. That confidence gap at play. 
It is, I do think it's a confidence gap as well. And, and I will say that I was in that situation as well. Um, as a matter of fact, I've been in leadership positions um, for over 25 years. But the first probably 12 to 13 years of my career, I was in what positions. And, and while I was still serving as a leader in support positions, they were support positions for overall operations positions. And great, great positions. I certainly don't want to minimize or diminish what those organizations do. But I always felt like I needed to hop around to different positions and learn about those positions before I could actually move up. And I kept making lateral moves. And I really do think the underlying factor of that was necessarily confidence level of, I don't know that I know it well enough to where I can move up and step into that role. And I'm going to talk out both sides of my mouth because I do tell individuals that I work with quite often about the fact that if you do a great job and, you know, you keep your head clean and, and you, you know, a great leader of people and you produce great results, people will recognize that and it will come to you. And I say that because for me personally, that is what happened in almost every position move that I made. I had someone to come to me and say, listen, you know what? You're doing a great job. We'd love for you to go do job X, Y, and Z. And I didn't necessarily have to go out and seek out those positions because they would come to me. However, I do think that there was a part of me that felt like I had to keep moving around to learn all of these bits and pieces of other jobs in order for me to actually ultimately move up the ladder versus, you know, moving from side to side. Yeah, just and jumping up. Jumping up, exactly. And it's, it's easier said than done because... As long as I have been in business in over 25 years, this has always been one of the biggest obstacles for females is this confidence piece and this step out there and take a risk. You don't have to always know everything about the job before you step into the role. If you're working for a great leader, if you're working with great people around you, they will embrace you and you learn from them and then you will learn the role. It took me a long time to realize that. It took me probably, like I said, 12 to 13 years of moving around in different positions before I finally started moving up versus just moving side to side. And, and my advice, my advice to those who are listening is, is seek out those individuals that are in those roles that you aspire for and learn from them about not necessarily about the technical pieces of the job, because you learn that when you get into the job. But it's learning about what type of leaders they are, what type of leadership capability do you need to have to be able to go into those roles. And those are the things that you want to cultivate so that when you finally do make that step, then the technical piece you learn, but the leadership piece is the piece that you can really hone your skills in so that when you do step into the role, you'll feel much more confident and you don't have to sit out there for 12 years waiting for that to come, you can move a lot faster than that. Because I can promise you, I had peers next to me, male peers, who were making those moves much quicker than I was. Always. That's great advice, though. Great advice. And also, I think since you are so accomplished and you have risen all the way up and, and you are so confident and knowledgeable, it's kind of reassuring to hear that you had challenges along the way, kind of raising your hand and lifting your head up for those next positions. All right, I'm going to get to the fun part here. Glenda, will you tell us what your favorite karaoke song is? Oh my gosh. 
Hey, I have to tell you, um, I don't have a favorite karaoke song, and here's why. You all would not want to hear me singing. <laughs> Definitely not a talent that I had ever like acquired from either one of my parents. So um, I will tell you, my daughter, she loves to sing. And so she does the whole karaoke thing, but I love sitting in the audience and I'm a supporter. <laughs> Fair enough. You're a, you're a karaoke applauder. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> What's your favorite way to exercise, whether it's your body, your mind? How are you keeping yourself sane in this crazy time and always? Yeah, I think it's really important during this time. And, and actually, it's, it's not even, it's probably more important during this time because people are in quarantine. But regardless of your, if you're in your home or whenever you get back out into the business environment, it's important you've got to take care of your health, your mind and your body at the same time. And uh, studies have shown, and, and we spend a lot of time actually going through seminars and talking about taking care of your mind and your body, whether that be, you know, regular exercise. But I'm going to tell you the most important piece of that is getting regular sleep. Yeah, and which is I, so hard to do. It, it is. It is so hard to do. And it is so underestimated. And there are so many people out there that, you know, will kind of they brag and they kind of toot their horn and say, you know, I only have to sleep four hours a night. And our bodies aren't built that way. They're not built to only get four hours of sleep. And I think it's so very important if you want to stay healthy, not only physically, but mentally, sleep is so very, very important. And that is hard to do, but you got to make time to do that. Um, but during this time, I make sure that I get exercise. And sometimes that's just out. Like the other day, I, I went out and started cutting bushes in the front yard. Yeah. And was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, and I said, I just got to cut something. I just need to get out there and do something. <laughs> I discovered that I get like 2,000 steps in just when I do the laundry. Got to combine all the tasks we have on our plate. That's right. <laughs> But getting lots of sleep, I think that's really important advice that isn't always shared or advocated that people have to remember. That's right. That's exactly right. Who is one person, dead or alive, that you would want to have dinner with? So um, it's funny, you already mentioned her. And you mentioned earlier on in the conversation, Michelle Obama. I think she is one of the most fascinating women today. And of course, you know, she's a huge women's advocate and I absolutely would be thrilled to have an opportunity to just sit down and talk with her, not only about her advocacy and, and her thought process around that, but she is such a strong female leader. I mean, she is physically, emotionally, and mentally. When you, when you think about those three things, um, I absolutely, she has strength, she has courage, she has passion. She's gone through, obviously, her, you know, adversities as well, being the first female African-American first lady, which I think is just absolutely amazing. But I would love to just be able to sit down and speak with her one day just about her thought process. She's wicked intelligent. Unbelievable. Uh, yes. Yeah. And um, I think I think she is a female leader in today's environment that I think we could all learn from. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And she's kind of to our earlier conversation about leadership. She has just stepped up where a leader is needed and filled the void in a really incredible way that's sort of beyond her job description, especially now. I agree. Um, 
And also, I would like to go to her for parenting. I'd like her to teach me how to be a parent. <laughs> I know. I mean, how you know she had you know she had the two the two young girls you know while they were while they were serving in the White House, and um, you know those young ladies now today are extremely successful. I agree. I'm, I'm a mother myself of a 15 year old, and that's not easy being a a, a business leader and, you know, being a leader, if you will, and, and also, you know, having children at home and being able to balance is that's, it's, it's tough. Yes, it certainly is. All right. Can you recommend a book that has had a great impact on you? Yeah, I can actually. Um, there's several I would choose from, but I will tell you one that stood out to me um, most and, and I was privileged enough to have an opportunity to meet this young lady. She had actually come in and spoken at one of the meetings that I was attending. Her name is Carrie Lawrence. And um, she is actually the first female fighter pilot, F-14 fighter pilot in the Navy. She was one of the first uh, females to, to fly a, a fighter jet. And the book is called Fearless Leadership. And she goes through... Um, all of the different lessons that she had learned, of course, um, growing up in her military career. And but the lessons are, are so impactful. Like a few of those, as a matter of fact, I've written them down and, and I refer back to them quite frequently. And one of them is um, she talks about the difference between who you are and who you want to be is what you actually do. And I just, I think that's so powerful um, because we all live that because we think we know who we are or who we really want to be, but it's truly our behavior and our actions that define who that ultimately is. And, and, you know, she, there's some, one of the other things that she's, she's also said in that book that really stands out as well is, you know, if we want our hard work to pay off, um, we have to know why we're doing it. And um, again, this is about kind of going back to what we talked about earlier about the inspiration and the passion and really knowing who we are. Um, you have to be able to know who you are and why you're doing something in order, you know, for whatever it is that you're working towards to really pay off. And, and that's just a few. I mean, you can go through the entire book and there's just really some insightful lessons in there that I have really appreciated. And I just keep those in mind as I'm talking through with individuals. Um, and she's a pretty phenomenal woman. If you ever get the opportunity to, to see one of her seminars, she's a pretty amazing speaker. Sounds amazing. I will check it out. That sounds great. All right. Um, so here's the part where we ask you to brag. As we talked about, we at Fairy God Boss believe that women are not good enough at, about bragging and talking about our own accomplishments. So I'm going to ask you, put you on the spot and tell, ask you, could you brag for us? Please brag to us about something you've accomplished. I know. You know, Romeo, this is like so hard. It's so hard. It is. We just Do you think it would be this hard for a man? No, 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 no. You know, I will say for me personally, um, one of the things for me, and I, I mentioned this earlier, and, and I, I, I stated that it was really hard, and it is, but I'm probably most proud of the fact that I do have a big responsibility and am responsible for a lot of individuals, but I am most responsible for one individual in my life, and that's my daughter. Uh, I've got a 15-year-old daughter. And a lot of people, and the reason I say this is because I have so many women who come to me and say, 
Linda, how, like, how do you manage work-life balance? How, you know, there's that, that I have to say, I call it kind of a cliche work-life balance. And here's why I say that is because I do think work-life balance is a choice. That is a choice that we are given. Now, there may be some women out there that don't agree with what I'm saying because of who they work for, or they say, I don't have those options to be able to do that. And I will tell you that if you are in a position or you're working for someone who doesn't have those, when you don't feel like you have those options, you should have the option. And what I mean by that is you should have the ability to be able to make decisions when you need to be with your family, you need to be with your family. When you need to be present at work, then you need to be present at work. And, and I, I will tell you that I have had to learn that over 15 years, having a daughter and also being up and having and traveling as well. And that is a commitment that you have to make. You have to be able to draw, um, you know, upon yourself to say, I am truly going to make a commit commitment to be with my family. When I'm with my family, I'm with my family. Um, and because I do truly believe if you're going to be successful in business, you have got to have a support team around you. And when I say support team, I'm not talking about, you know, um, Sally, Sue, or John, or Fred, or Beth at work. I'm talking about the people at home, um, whether that be a significant other or, or your children. But you've got to have those individuals who are truly going to support you at home so that when you do go off to work, you know that you've got people there that support what you're doing and whatever that you're doing. And, um, and I have to say, I feel like that I have worked really hard at this work-life balance and, and being a part of uh, my daughter's life. She's a, she plays a lot of sports. So when I am not, um, when I'm not working, I'm either on, a, on the sidelines of a soccer field or a basketball court. And, um, I, I think I said, uh, to you at one point, I said, you know, I try not to, uh, my, my daughter reminds me, she says, listen, mom, the, the officials, they don't work for you. <laughs> They're not one of you, one of your managers. So like, don't tell them what to do or, you know, give them direction. And it's, so, <laughs> but I'm, when I'm there, I'm there for her and, and she knows that. And that's what keeps me going when I am at home and when I'm at work. So uh, I would say my biggest accomplishment is being able to make sure that my family is a priority and they do come first. Absolutely. And I know that that inspires you to do better work and perform better at work when you know and you have that gratification from home. And I think sometimes we make the mistake of thinking, my company, my employer just wants me to work more and more and more and more. And I think companies want people that are high functioning and happy and and thriving. And that means having a fulfilled personal life. That's exactly right. I believe that too. And, and I think too, Romy, sometimes we will, we try to take all of that in. And I think sometimes we create that feeling of my company doesn't want me to take time off or, you know, I don't feel like that I can take that time off. And, and sometimes it is simply having that voice to be able to speak up and say, I, you know, need to take the day off or I need to take this time off or, or whatever reason. I, it's important because um, I do truly believe whoever it is that you've got at home, you have to be able to make sure that you are staying healthy in your heart, healthy in your mind. Um, and that starts at home. 
Well, I think that is great advice to leave us with. We are just about out of time. Glenda, it has just been incredible talking to you today. Thank you very much for being here with us. I am genuinely inspired by your career, by your presence, by your, you have this quiet and powerful leadership persona that uh, I aim to emulate. So thank you for spending time with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I I do appreciate the uh, invite and I have to tell you, I have become a big fan of your organization. And thank you so, so much for for the time today. Thanks, Glenda. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy Godboss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.